is the main event. What you gonna do? If you're so mad, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Woo! Yeah! Ooh, yeah. I am the game. Costoco said so. Oh my god! What I'd like to have right now. Rest in peace, Waterrush. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Are you ready? Everyone has a price. Yeah, I come here to fight. Sandy innovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Introducing your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell. Yeah, you can be the greatest, you can be the best You can be the King Kong banging on your chest You can beat the world, you can beat the war You can talk to God, go banging on his door You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock You can move a mountain, you can break rocks You can be a master, don't wait for luck Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself WrestleMania Rush continues on Beyond the Bell tonight. We open up the 2015 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Two of the inductees will be featured on tonight's podcast. The Governator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the hip-hop Samoan dancer, Rikishi. WrestleMania Rush continues on Beyond the Bell, and we kick it all off by celebrating the Terminator. He is a man of many roles. Terminator. Governator. And now, WWE Hall of Famer. He is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Born in Austria, Schwarzenegger's meteoric rise to stardom began in the world of competitive bodybuilding. At the age of 20, he won the Mr. Universe competition. Arnold went on to dominate the bodybuilding world, winning the Mr. Olympia contest a staggering seven times, which led to his starring role in the 1977 bodybuilding film, Pumping Iron. And once Hollywood got a look at Arnold's impressive physique and affable personality, they saw box office muscle. Arnold quickly became a titan of the silver screen. His films have grossed over $4 billion worldwide, and his signature catchphrases have become the most memorable and most imitated of all time. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Right back. Your, your back is huge. <laughs> 
I've been crazy. I've been. <laughs> it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Who's your daddy? And what does he do? Put the cookie down. Shut up. That sounds like Arnold. To the helicopter. Did he say helicopter or plane? Chopper. Get to the chopper. Get him to the chopper. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hasta la vista, baby. In 2003, Arnold would go from being a man in action films to a man of action as he was elected governor, or rather, governator of the state of California. I want to be the people's governor. I believe in the people of California, and I know that together we can do great things. He's a governor, an indestructible action hero, and the most intimidating fan in the entire WWE universe. Arnold's lifelong passion for WWE has always been on display, but never more so than in his unforgettable SmackDown encounter with Triple H in 1999. Wait a minute! Triple H! From Terminator to Governator to Hall of Famer. I'm speechless. <laughs> WWE is proud to welcome Arnold Schwarzenegger to the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. Arnold Schwarzenegger was born on July 30th, 1947. He is an Austrian-born American former professional bodybuilder, actor, businessman, investor, and politician. Arnold served two terms as the 30th governor of California from 2003 until 2011. Arnold began weight training at the age of 15. He won the Mr. Universe title at the early age of 20 and went on to win the Mr. Olympia contest seven times. Arnold has remained a prominent presence in bodybuilding and has written many books and articles on the sport. He also gained worldwide fame as a Hollywood action film icon. Prior to The Rock, he was nicknamed the Austrian Oak in his bodybuilding days, but now was on the big screen. Arnie, during his acting career, was a more recent nickname when he was on film, and more recently, The Governator. His career in bodybuilding took off after moving to the U.S. in 1968. At age 21, he was already weighing in at an impressive 250 pounds. He began training under the guidance of veteran bodybuilder Joe Weider. He trained at Gold Gym, where he became training partners and friends with Rick Drazen, who designed the first Gold's Gym logo. Arnold went on to capture his first Mr. Olympia in 1970 at age 23. He went on to win that title six times more, like I mentioned, seven-time champion with his last title win in 1980, the same year in which he had retired. On to his acting career and action movie star status in 1982. Arnold starred in his first leading film role as the comic book fantasy hero Conan in Conan the Barbarian. The movie was a great success at the box office and virtually was the breakthrough role that launched Arnold's career in film. His second and perhaps biggest film role was as the near-unstoppable cyborg 
assassin combo known as the Terminator in 1984. He went on to make a sequel to the movie, which was equally well-received, and since then, Arnold's become the iconic image of that franchise. After a decade away from film cameras, Arnold returned to the action genre with the film The Last Stand in 2013. Now, let's talk about his activity and participation in the world of professional wrestling that would garner him a spot in the celebrity wing. On November 11, 1999, Arnold would appear on WWF SmackDown, plugging promotional buzz for his upcoming movie, End of Days. Arnold went on to attend the show, seated at the announcer's table providing sparse commentary during a match involving Triple H, Test, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. During the closing moments of the match, Arnold tossed a steel chair to Austin, allowing him to even up the odds. Defeated Triple H after the match, confronted and attempted to attack Arnold Schwarzenegger at ringside. He instead received a beating by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator himself. This would be an iconic moment replayed over and over again in the WWE library. The next appearance for Arnold would be over a decade later. The night before WrestleMania 29, he inducted longtime friend Bruno Sammartino into the 2013 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Then just last year, on March 24th, 2014, on an edition of Monday Night Raw, Arnold appeared to promote his upcoming film Sabotage while doing an in-ring segment with WrestleMania 30 host, the immortal Hulk Hogan. They were interrupted by The Miz and the three friends teamed together, his co-star Arnold and the Hulkster, forcing The Miz into retreat as Arnold bid The Miz farewell using his iconic movie catchphrase, Hasta la vista, baby. Arnold is also the godfather of wrestler superstar Billy Graham's daughter, so throughout his entire bodybuilding, film, acting, and <laughs> political career, Arnold has had ties somewhat to the professional wrestling industry. Truly a pop culture icon and Arnold's name, face, and voice is iconic in not just the sports and bodybuilding industry, but the entertainment, film, and now the political environments as well. Whether it's being a bodybuilder, actor, businessman, investor, politician, or a presence in professional wrestling, Arnold has definitely made his mark and will forever be remembered by his worldwide Promotional audience. consideration paid for by the following. Maybe you didn't contact Geico because computers covered in bees. You spilled hot nacho cheese. Phone blew away in a breeze. No matter what your reason, today could be a day to save. Today could be a day to save. Geico. school fans want to relive some world-class memories catch the world-class milestone series the history of world-class championship wrestling on beyond the bell your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast on the sns radio network relive the world-class milestones from the very beginning to the downfall. Travel back in time now and relive world-class championship wrestling at btbcast.com.
WWE has been home to many giants, but few big men have been as agile as the 400-plus pound Samoan wonder known as Rikishi. That Rikishi is fat, all right. P-H-A-T. His bleach blonde hair, hip sunglasses, and unmatched dance skills proved he was indeed too cool. Who's ever think that my rump shaker would make me a good living today? <laughs> Stink face. Oh, man. Oh, my God. A butt that big going directly in your face? That's horrifying. Mm, it, it was hideous. Get a good look at this bomb. Ow. Not on his face. Once again, Pete makes an ass out of himself. Rikishi's family legacy continues to this day with his twin sons Jimmy and Jay Uso's dominance of WWE's tag team ranks. The Uso's Rikishi's sons gonna get down with their dad. Capturing both the Intercontinental and Tag Team Championships, Rikishi has proven to be a true asset to sports entertainment throughout his career. It's the victory dance. Colossal Cheeks, moving at a somewhat high rate of speed. WWE is proud to name Rikishi as part of the Hall of Fame class of 2015. Salofa Fatu Jr. was born on October 11, 1965. Rikishi got the fans' attention in 1985, however, 20 years later, as he worked for Gino Brito and Dino Bravo's International Wrestling Territory, based in Montreal. While there, Fatu worked as Prince Alofa, a high-flying babyface, often working as a team with the territory's top faces. While working in Montreal, Salofa hung out with his cousin, Samula Anoa'i, who was working in the area as the heel, the Great Samu. When the territory closed up, the two cousins signed on with the World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico and became the Samoan SWAT team, Samu and Fatu. The team adopted the Samoan Savage gimmick that had made their father so well-known and feared throughout the wrestling world. Working barefoot and never speaking English on camera, they made an impact. The team became the first ever WWC Caribbean Tag Team Champions on November 7th, 1987, when they beat Invader 1 and 3. The duo held the titles for just over a month before dropping them to Mark and Chris Youngblood before leaving the promotion. Samu and Fatu next appeared in Texas, 
working for Fritz Von Erich's world-class championship wrestling promotion. The storyline was based on that Buddy Roberts brought a team in to fight his fights against the Von Erich family and former Fabulous Freebirds partner Michael Hayes. The Samoan SWAT team was given a big push right away. Presented as an unstoppable force, the team was even allowed to beat hometown heroes Kerry and Kevin Von Erich for the WCCW Tag Team titles on August 12, 1988. The Samoans remained undefeated in WCCW until they came up against Robert's former partner, Michael Hayes, and Hayes' new partner, Do It To It, Steve Cox, on September 12th. The duo was not without the goal for long, as they recaptured the titles only four days later. Hayes and Cox beat the Samoan SWAT team for the titles once again on October 15th, but this time only they held the gold for just two days before they lost it back to the Samoan SWAT team. On September 12th, 1988, the SWAT team became double champions as they beat Hollywood John Tatum and Jimmy Jack Funk for the WCWA Texas Tag Team Championship. The Samoan SWAT team made their pay-per-view debut at AWA Super Clash 3, the first and only pay-per-view that the AWA ever presented. The Samoans successfully defended their tag team titles against Michael Hayes and Steve Cox. Then, in the beginning of 1989, the Samoans left World Class, forcing both tag team titles to be vacated due to the sudden departure. After leaving WCW in the summer of 1990, the Samoan SWAT team worked for a number of independent promotions in the United States, Europe, and Japan, often teaming up with family member Rodney Anoa'i, who competed as Coquina Maximus. The family worked for the Universal Wrestling Association in 1991 with Fatu, Coquina, and the Samoan Savage, winning the UWA Trios Tag Team titles and holding it for just under two months. They also made a headline appearance on the UWA's 16th anniversary show, losing to Dos Caras, El Canek, and Mil Mascaris. Then this led to their signing on with the World Wrestling Federation. In 1992, Samu and Fatu signed on with the WWF. Managed by Samu's father, Afa, they fully engaged in the Samoan heritage gimmick, the Samoan savage embodiment that they had previously as tag team champions. team changed their name to the Head Shrinkers, however, but their gimmick of Samoan Wildman remained the same. Rodney NY also signed with the WWF, but was repackaged as Yokozuna, the, sub, the sumo superstar, a Samoan to sumo star. The family ties between him and the Samoans were not mentioned on the air, however. The team first made their presence known when they helped Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase and IRS, Erwin R. Scheister, beat the Natural Disasters to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. The Head Shrinkers feuded with the Natural Disasters and the recently formed High Energy. 
the team of Owen Hart and Coco Beware. Between 1992 and the early parts of 94, for almost two years, the Headstrinkers maintained a position in the middle of the tag team division. They occasionally challenged for the titles and made sporadic pay-per-view appearances, feuding with teams like the Smoking Guns and Men on a Mission. The Headstrinkers assisted their relative Yokozuna in a casket match against The Undertaker at the Royal Rumble in April. The Shrinkers turned face and challenged then-tag-team champions the Quebecers with the addition of manager Captain Lou Albano to the team, and they won the gold on April 26th. At King of the Ring, just two months later on June 19th, the Shrinkers successfully defended their tag titles against Yokozuna and Crush. Their run with the titles came to an end, though, on an untelevised card on August 28th, where they lost the titles to Shawn Michaels and Big Daddy Cool Diesel. The title change happened just one day before they were scheduled to de defend against IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow. Soon after the title change, Samu left the World Wrestling Federation to recover from injuries and was replaced by Sion, who formed the new Head Shrinkers, with Fatu. The storyline reason given for Samu's departure was that he was not coping well with manager Captain Lou's attempts to civilize the head shrinkers, especially by wearing boots. For the first time ever, one half of the Samoan SWAT team slash head shrinkers was not a member of the Anoa'i family nor a Samoan, as Sion was from the island of Tonga. They were also both participants in the Royal Rumble that year. The only other notable appearance of the new Head Shrinkers was as part of the tournament to crown new WWF Tag Team Champions in late 1994, early 95. The new Head Shrinkers lost to Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka in the semifinals. By July, the new Head Shrinkers ended as Sion signed on with WCW. By the time Sion left the WWF, the team was used to put over new teams such as Jacob and Eli Blue, aka the Harris Brothers. This led to Fatu finally starting out as a single competitor, which would last for over three years. Fatu became a singles wrestler beginning in 1995. The WWF repackaged Fatu by dropping the Savage gimmick altogether and revealing that Fatu could speak English and was raised in the United States. Shocking, right? Fatu became a man of the streets who spoke about growing up in the hood and being shot during a real-life drive-by, thus that long uh, vertical scar running from his midsection all the way down through his belly button. During this time, he was referred to as Make a Difference Fatu. Yes, all and those stereotypical colorful colors all blended together in living color mixed in with the uh, uh, Bill Cosby sweater all together with the stereotypical Make a Difference leather jacket. Yes, leather jacket in tow. Make a Difference Fatu debuted in the WWF. After a short while, two men started to show up whenever Fatu was in the ring. 
Samu and his brother Lloyd and Anuai, also known as the Samoan Gangster Party. They will make appearances in ECW. The Gangster Party, however, never got in the ring or confronted Fatu before he was repackaged and the whole angle was dropped. Quickly, Vince McMahon and the higher-ups knew this was not the gimmick for Fatu. The WWF then decided to give Fatu a total change once again, as it became a stereotypical Middle Eastern known as the Sultan. They put him under a hood, put him under a mask, which was connected with a long braided rope, which would be interpreted as his own hair. Yes, the Sultan was born. Complete with face masks to hide who was playing the gimmick, he debuted once again in the WWF. In storyline, the Sultan's tongue was removed, thus he never spoke in promos. He was managed by the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. He was given a shot at Rocky Maivia's Intercontinental title at WrestleMania 13, but failed to win the gold. This would be Fatu's debut singles matchup at WrestleMania. The Sultan gimmick was dropped in January of 1988, and it was all over. But once again, Vince McMahon and WWF officials would not give up on Fatu. They decided to repackage him once again. Fatu was one of those superstars that was repackaged over and over again until something stuck to the wall. Then, Fatu left the spotlight when the Sultan gimmick was canned, but... At the same time, he decided to work on the independent circuit. He returned on November 13th, 1999 on an episode of WWF Metal as Rikishi Fatu beating Julio Fantastico. I was surprisingly lucky enough to be in the audience. It's amazing. These key moments in wrestlers' career and professional wrestling history, I've been lucky enough to witness in person. And I remember seeing Fatu re-debut. He certainly looked a little different, and he definitely had an edge. Rikishi Fatu would become Rikishi Fatu. Instead of Fatu, F-A-T-U, it would turn into P-H-A-T-U. The name was eventually shortened to Rikishi when he started teaming with Too Cool. He had gained a great deal of weight, bleached his hair blonde, and exchanged his long trousers for a thong. When I originally saw him come out, I thought maybe it was Yokozuna losing a little bit of weight and dyeing his hair. But in turn, it was his family member, Fatu, repackaged. And I said to myself, that's really Fatu? can mistake that behind even as a head shrinker when he was a little thinner he still had that back rikishi had a brief feud with viscera 
before aligning himself with Too Cool, which consisted of Grandmaster Sexay and Scotty Tuhade, Brian Christopher, and Scott Taylor. It was at this point that Rikishi's popularity began to soar as their post-match dance routine became popular with fans, and we finally saw the charisma that they were trying to get with Make a Difference Fatu, but this time with Rikishi Fatu and his dance moves. During the 2000 Royal Rumble, Rikishi eliminated seven opponents in the Rumble match. He was eliminated by six wrestlers working together. Some say this was the highlight a peak of his career at the Rumble event. Two of those seven people that eliminated themselves were too cool themselves in all actuality, whom Rikishi eliminated after they performed their dance routine in the middle of the match. Rikishi became famous for giving wrestlers the stink face, as his behind was rubbed in the face of an opposing wrestler. This move became very popular with the WWE Universe and professional wrestling, wrestling fans worldwide. In May of 2000, Rikishi and Too Cool feuded with Edge, Christian, and Kurt Angle, Team Eck, if you remember, culminating in a victory at Judgment Day. The Kish won the WWF Intercontinental Championship on the June 22nd episode of SmackDown from Chris Benoit. In a memorable moment in his career, Rikishi faced Val Venus in a steel cage match at Fully Loaded. In the course of the match, Rikishi ascended the cage in a move reminiscent of Jimmy Superfly Snooker. He leapt from the top, soaring and splashing on top of Venus. Rikishi made his infamous heel turn as he admitted running over Stone Cold Steve Austin, claiming that he had done so in order to allow his cousin The Rock to achieve superstardom. He insisted that Buddy Rogers, Bruno Sammartino, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, and Steve Austin were the Great White Hope, and have always been pushed over Samoan performers, such as High Chief Peter Maivia and Jimmy Superfly Snuka, who he believed had been held back. This turned Rikishi heel in the coming weeks. This was another effort to repackage Rikishi by exploiting or using the momentum he had as a babyface dancer, now as a vicious, monstrous heel. Austin immediately set out to re- obtain revenge on Rikishi, facing him in a no-holds-bar match at No Mercy. Superstars in the back. I am going to weed my way through every last one of you. And when I find the bastard that did this, I will take it out on your ass. Stone Cold's court of law, you're guilty until proven innocent. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you are free to conduct your investigation any way you see fit. But I need to have your word on this matter. And that word is, you will not. Austin. 
I didn't do it for me. I did it for The Rock. What? I'm happy with what I've done. I feel good at what I've done. And to tell the truth, I do it again. Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is why I ran your ass over. If you want some of me, I'll be here all night. Come and get some, Austin. Austin Gore, he's walking with a purpose. He's, he's going, he's going after Rikishi. My God, is Rikishi got a death wave. This is why I ran your ass over. This not a freak you remember. This not a freak you remember. This is why I ran your ass over. Oh, look out, look out. Got a money. Austin, this Sunday, no mercy. He tried to run him down again, King. He wanted to get off to the gym. It'll be Stone Cold and Rikishi. No hold far. It means you can do any damn thing you want to Rikishi. And it's all legal. It's all legal. When I get that son of a... On this ground, on that ground, whatever. I'm gonna stop on my own. Hit his ass and walk the drive. If Stone Cold were to step up in my face, I'd slap him right back down like the dog that he is. And you say, Stone Cold, I can just stop a man whose ass is that big. And if there's a man that can do it, his name is Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Eat this, Stone Cold. Look at this, my God. He's completely destroying Stone Cold Ride. This match is going to take brutality to a whole nother level. I ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And to tell the truth, I do it. Again. It'll be Stone Cold and Rikishi. No hold far. The bottom line is, whatever Stone Cold does, it's all legal. The match went to a no contest when Austin dragged Rikishi to the parking lot and attempted to run him over. But a police car drove in front of Austin's car, saving Rikishi. Then there was the infamous Hell in a Cell match at Armageddon for the WWF Championship. Prior to this, Rikishi was now known for his infamous promo, like we mentioned, supporting The Rock, in which he said, I did it for The Rock. Rock, I just wanted to say, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry for last night. I think he really means that, Daniel. Well, he probably does. He was actually trying to help The Rock. It just, it just backfired on him. Look at Rock. I think The Rock's going to accept this apology, King. But you're right, Rikishi, and this has cost The Rock the WWF title. Well, wait a minute. Let's give some credit to Kurt Angle, too, you know. Now, The Rock says, Rikishi, The Rock has known you for years. You and The Rock, we've done a lot together. So hearing that, The Rock says this from the bottom of his heart to the top of his lungs, to the bottom of your The Rock says that he wants nothing to do with your apology and he wants nothing to do with you. Oh my gosh. And then we got our answer regarding that apology. Hey man, I know you're a little bit upset last night for losing the WWF title. But you gotta understand where I'm coming from. You gotta understand where I'm coming from. See, we'll take care of this later. We'll take care of this. No, 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 no. There is no we. You and The Rock, we have nothing to take care of. What you're failing to understand is that this isn't about The Rock's WWF title, because one way or the other, The Rock will, again, one day, become WWF champion. So The Rock is distancing himself from Rikishi. 
I don't know if that's wise or not. But this is about The Rock telling you that he does not need your help to do it. He's never needed Rikishi's help. Yeah, but this is like a big slap in the face to Rikishi. Rock, I know you're upset, but you're really starting to hurt my feelings. See? Oh, isn't that too bad? Hey, Jerry's got feelings. Sure He's he sensitive. does. Your feelings? So let The Rock understand this. The Rock has just hurt your feelings. You, the man who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. The man who nearly took his life. The man who got involved in The Rock's WWF title match last night, costing The Rock the WWF title. And you tell The Rock your feelings are hurt? Well, after hearing that, with all due respect, Rikishi, you can wipe your 400-pound ass with your feelings. Oh, my gosh. He's, the Rock is really distancing himself now from Rikishi. Yeah, that's about as subtle as a sledgehammer. You don't want me to tell... Do you want me to say something right now? Do you want me to tell the whole world right now? Do you want me to tell them something? Tell them what? What you talking about now? Who in the hell knows? Oh, you can tell them something, Rikishi. You can tell the world something. You can tell the world you feel constipated. You can tell them all that you feel constipated from eating all the hamburgers and hot dogs. Oh, and oh, just by the way, last night at No Mercy, you just happened to munch on a one big can of Stone Cold's ass whipping. Now he's embarrassing, Rikishi. You can tell them all that, but what you should tell them is this, is you should tell them that you're going to walk out of the ring, walk back up the ramp, and The Rock will never, ever see you again. Well, I'll tell you what, Rock. Uh-oh. I'll tell you what, whatever you do, whether you like it or not, I'm still gonna be there for you. This is almost like a challenge, JR. Well, Rikishi, finally The Rock understands where you're coming from. The Rock truly understands your sentiments. So having said that, The Rock says this. The Rock's got to do what The Rock's got to do. Whether you like it or not. And this all culminated in the infamous Hell in a Cell match. Armageddon, WWF title on the line. Vince McMahon drove a flatbed truck to ringside in an effort to dismantle the cage and stop the match. However, Rikishi was chokeslammed from the top of the cell into the truck bed by The Undertaker and a tribute spot to the leap Mick Foley took years prior. 
no one will forget that image of the undertaker slamming rikishi onto that flatbed truck and the impact that we heard it was a big fall for any superstar let alone a huge competitor such as rikishi the quiche won a match entitling him to enter the 2001 royal rumble at number 30. he even eliminated the undertaker but he did not last long in the match before being knocked out by the rock after the return of haku at the same event Rikishi and Haku formed a tag team and feuded with Kane and The Undertaker and the Hardy Boys. The team split up, however, when Rikishi was sidelined with an injury and Haku was later released. This was definitely a disappointment as a lot of fans were having high hopes for this new reinvention of a Samoan SWAT team slash Headshrikers tag team of the rough and tough Meng Haku teaming with Rikishi. The case returned from injury on May 7th, 2001, and was urged by Mick Foley to become a good guy once again on December 6th, 2001, when he delivered a stink face to the chairman, Vince McMahon, as The Rock shoved Vince's face right into Rikishi's behind. Thus, in one instance, returning Rikishi back to babyfacehood. McMahon, and solidifying his face status... By slamming Vince's face in his behind, Rikishi had a new lease on his career. Upon the WWE brand extension, Rikishi was drafted to SmackDown. At Judgment Day, he faced Billy and Chuck in a secret partner match. His partner turned out to be Rico, Billy and Chuck's stylist. Despite Rico's best efforts to unfairly help Billy and Chuck, Rikishi had and, and Rico himself had won the match and became the tag team champions. Rico would later cost his partner to lose the titles in a rematch. Rikishi was not featured much in late 02 and early 03. He feuded with John Cena, Bill DeMott, and the full-blooded Italians on SmackDown. The return of Rowdy Roddy Piper led Rikishi to challenge him as Piper had hit Jimmy Snuka with a coconut years and years ago in the early stages of Piper's pit. Rikishi eventually formed a tag team with Scotty Tuhati, reforming a new version of Too Cool, and the duo defeated the Basham Brothers for the WWE Tag Team Championship on February 5th, 2004, holding them for two and a half months before losing them to Charlie Haas and Rico. It is time for the first ever Hip Hop Challenge! Alright, the first competitor... I don't know where the hell he's from, but his name is John Cena. John Cena's competition in the hip-hop challenge, Rikishi. All right, guys, let me explain. The rules are pretty simple. Each of you men get to lay down your rap, and Big D's going to pick the winner. So... Being that Cena, you are dressed funnier than Rikishi. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just joking around. You look good. I mean, you know, you look good. Uh, you're going to go first, so go ahead, rap. Rikishi, you was lucky when you beat And I'm completely unaffected when you taunt me. It's not my fault that all these women want me. It's not my fault that I got the better body. This is B-Squared, and he's my one-man posse. 
You want to see a thug? Turn around and take a look. You're just another dude who came up short from Red Hook. His battle was over way before it even started. You against me? That's totally retarded. Me and B2 is way too nice for this place. Yo, Keish, how's it feel to get the verbal stink face? One night! Well, it's pretty obvious that Dallas thought you were great, John. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Big Keish, lay it down, baby. Look, dog, you standing there trying to be all nice. But everybody knows you worse than vanilla ice. <laughs> was released by the WWE on July 16th of 2004. Fatu continued to wrestle on the independent circuit. In October of 05, he shortened his ring name to Kishi. Fatu, as Kishi, would go on to operate New Wrestling Evolution, a pro wrestling promotion based in Italy. On February 17, 2007, Fatu competed as Sumo Rikishi in a tag team contest at an all-Japan pro wrestling event. It was, he was brought in by Keiji Muda to feud with Aki Bono. On August 12th of 07, Fatu competed in an eight-man tag as Rikishi at AAA's Triple Mania event. This would lead to a brief stint for Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. On September 13th, in 07, Fatu debuted in TNA under the ring name Junior Fatu, but in all actuality, it was a very short stint in the promotion. Then he returned, five years later, to the mainstream wrestling scene to the WWE, as Rikishi inducted his cousin Yokozuna into the 2012 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Rikishi made an appearance on WWE Raw on July 16th, 2012, defeating Heath Slater. After the match, he danced with his sons, Jimmy and Jay Uso, in the middle of the ring. On January 6th, 2014, Rikishi appeared on Old School Raw to reunite with Too Cool to take on 3MB in a six-man tag team match, which his team successfully got the win. And then, most notably, Rikishi was a playable DLC character in the Attitude Era-themed WWE 13 video game, thus 
demonstrating how popular he was during the highly regarded Attitude Era. Fatou and his wife have five children. He rubs his nose twice en route to the ring to tell his children that he loves them. That's his signal. Fatou is a member of the famous Anuai family. Fatou is the nephew of Sika and Afa of the Wild Samoans. He is also the brother of the late Eddie Fatou, a.k.a. Umaga and Jamal, and Sam Fatou, the Tonga kid and Tama, and cousin of The Rock, Yokozuna, Samu, Rosie, and Roman Reigns. Rikishi's accomplishments are like no other. WWF Intercontinental Champion WWE Tag Team Champion, two-time World Tag Team Champion in the WWF, three-time World-Class World Tag Team Champion, NWA Texas Tag Team Champion, and World-Class Texas Tag Team Champion. Most of those were with Samu, but you throw in Scotty Tuhati, a Rico here and there, but Rikishi's career has been embarked with one of the best tag team competitors, not just in tag team wrestling, but even singles competition. His tag team accolades are up there with the best of them. But the peak of his singles career came by winning the Intercontinental Championship. His excellent and entertaining performance in the 2000 Royal Rumble. The infamous heel turn to the big slam at Armageddon in the Hell in a Cell match. Rikishi will be known as one of the most underrated big men, I think, in the industry. He could be so fast for his size. He, is, he was so charismatic and talented, and it's seen to this very day as it rubbed off on his sons, Jimmy and Jay Uso, who themselves excel in the tag team division. One of the peaks of my professional wrestling ring announcing career was having the ability to announce Rikishi at a big event for Damn That's Wrestling in Vineland, New Jersey, when it was Rikishi versus Val Venus, a packed house. Thank you, Rikishi, for giving me that memory as a ring announcer. And thank you, on behalf of all the fans of professional wrestling, for all you've done in the industry. Deserving, certainly so deserving, of being inducted to the 2015 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Rikishi, you danced our way into our hearts and entertained us for decades. And we thank you as your legacy continues on. With your sons, Jimmy and Jay. Rikishi, one of a kind, as he danced all the way to championships and now the WWE Hall of Fame. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Before he was known the world over as Dean Ambrose, he was John Moxley in the Combat Zone. Join RFVideo.com and Combat Zone Wrestling as we present the very best of John Moxley, Volume 2. Relive all the ultra-violent action, the technical action, the Combat Zone Wrestling Championship title defenses of John Moxley. For this exclusive DVD, please visit RFVideo.com. Com. Combat Zone Wrestling, it's like nothing else. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. It's the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame, 2011. And you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya. I'm not your boy, toy.
Bowl fans, that concludes part one of the 2015 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. I'm so excited to relive these historic careers as this year's class, like the others, is extraordinary. But don't worry, fans. We'll be back very soon with our next installment of WrestleMania Rush. We relive the histories of WrestleMania in California, plus the 2015 class of the Hall of Fame. Let's wrap up tonight's show with our old school theme of the week. Dedicated to this year's inductee, Rikishi, one of his themes he used during the latter part of his career was when he made his infamous heel turn. The theme was entitled Bad Man, as he was a bad man during this time, a rap version much slower than his too cool theme, but we'll take you home with the heel Rikishi theme on BTB. So until next time, stay old school, my friends. I'm a bad man, give it bad men, bad looks, dress among thieves and drugs, wore bad women, bad guards, bad hoods, bad dudes, I'm making my own rules. Bad looks, prison, most thieves and crooks, want bad women, bad cars, bad.